Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bestowing the Brush, the podcast that gets you thinking about why we draw and helps you learn how to draw. I'm your host, Dallas Noctegal, and from time to time, I like to have a friend on the show. So today, I have Danny Sabro with me. Danny is a musician, artist, and educator from Omaha, Nebraska. He's a lifelong classically trained musician and songwriter and is a beginner self-taught visual artist. Through his YouTube channel, he documents his life as a music teacher and art student through video lessons and tutorials. He thinks that every voice matters, so I brought him on the show today to share with us his wisdom and what he's learned with being a self-taught individual with drawing and painting. I'm also really curious about how being musically trained can cross over into the visual arts. And I know that you have some thoughts about that too, Danny, right? Welcome to Bestowing the Brush. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to know first off was what really motivated you to get into the type of, of, of drawing and painting that you do. And if you could tell us what style you like to gravitate towards with that. So um, it's, it's really interesting how I got into it. Um, I have a, a friend who just put some sketches that she did on a vacation on her Instagram page. And um, I think my whole life I had sort of had a little bit of an interest towards art, but seeing her sketchbook with some sketches of um, her vacation, to me, it just blew my mind. And I thought, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to do that. And so I um, went to the art supply store and I got a sketchbook and pencils and um, committed to trying to teach myself how to draw. And um, I didn't even really necessarily know how to to start that, but I believed that if I was consistent and tried to draw every day, that that would help. And um, I had a friend who said, well, you should see what's on YouTube. And so um, I really kind of tell people I I started learning from YouTube and things like that. Um, But I think I would say I I do uh, realism or observational art most of the time, Um, kind of dipping my toe into abstract art now, but most of the art that I do is, um, is, is realism based. And I think that it was because of seeing my friend's artwork, just observing something and putting it into a sketchbook to me, that just seemed like the, the coolest thing. Totally. That's really cool that you, that you saw her do that and that it, that gave you the motivation to want to do that for yourself. I was going to say, I, I think like, uh, on my YouTube channel, I tell people, you have a voice that matters. And I was thinking about that today um, with with this friend of mine. If she wouldn't have put that artwork out there, uh, I would have never seen it. And then I probably would just be doing the same things that I, you know, I wouldn't be doing art today. And so to me, I think for for all of us, anybody who can create something and share it with anybody, you never know how that's going to spark something really incredible for another person. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but it's important to, I think, to share what you're doing, not not just keeping it to yourself, um, but yeah, to share. Do you have? Well, let's let's uh, let's rewind a little bit. I noticed 
that you like to do plein air painting. I have seen a couple of your videos on YouTube. Yep. And you've kind of gone the oil route for now. So would you tell us a little bit about plein air painting? And um, obviously you probably learned from a YouTube video about how to get started with that. But what uh, what materials do you take? And what's kind of your process as you go about one of your sketches outside? Yeah, so I I started out with drawing and then I kind of graduated myself to to watercolor and um, I kind of got into the urban sketching scene at that time, um, which there's a big movement. There's an organization called Urban Sketchers, which has, um, they have a little manifesto and everything, but it really appealed to me that it was still in that vein of observational um, sketching. And a lot of times Urban Sketchers will do normal everyday pedestrian things. You know, you, you might just sketch your breakfast or your, you know, um, there are a lot of urban sketchers who sketch their kids while they're napping or anything, any household object or a scene in the park or your car. And that really appealed to me because I think as I was envisioning ahead, the idea of plein air painting, a lot of times you think of people like Claude Monet and Vincent van Gogh. And I think to me, it, it just seemed a little bit unattainable and exotic. But really, you can plein air paint anything. And so I think that gateway for me to, to saying you can create fun art in your sketchbook that's observational and realism, um, that could be your shoes, it could be anything, kind of gave me the idea that, you know, I really would like to try plein air painting. And so I, I do, right now, I, I mostly will do two forms of it. So I kind of graduated to acrylic. And then now I do oils when I'm uh, plein air painting in the field. And then I do that about half of the time. And the other half of the time I do gouache, which is like opaque watercolor. And um, when, I'm, when I'm painting with gouache, it's, it's very similar to what you would do with um, a watercolor setup. So I have tubes of paint and a small little travel palette that I use. And sometimes I'll use a water brush. But lately, I've been favoring just a couple of watercolor brushes and, um, and a watercolor sketchbook. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling uh, like I really want to, to spend a long time painting, I might bring a watercolor block with me. And um, I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy that, I think, over watercolor because it's a little bit more forgiving. I can paint over a mistake that I made. And um, so I enjoy that. And then when I'm painting in oils, it's it's similar, but the, the setup is a little bit more um, rigorous because you have to bring an easel with you. And I use um, I use a French, uh, what are they called? A French easel that I got from mm -hmm. Blick. And um, same sort of thing. I tend to use a limited palette, five or six colors, and um, paint small. And um, yeah, I really enjoy both of them, but they're slightly different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. That is the nice thing about gouache and the opaque medium is that you can block over something. Right. Um, but most of the listeners I know do watercolor paintings in their nature notebook, or they might do some urban sketching like you described. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, some landscape out, out there, plein air painting. I think 
I think maybe it's just a good thing to keep in mind that you can do so much and you're kind of, your options are kind of unlimited. You're not really married to one thing and even to one medium too. It sounds like you have experiment, experimented across the board. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that that's um, kind of the beautiful thing that attracted me to to visual art and learning it because I came from this background of doing music my whole life and ha- sort of having that as my identity. And I studied it in college and I teach it for a living. Um, and really when you go down that route with, with rare exception, you, you tend to specialize, you tend to really specialize in, in one specific niche. And to me, you know, one of the fun things about art is that it's sort of a veritable feast and there's a lot that translates over. Um, you know, so you can experiment with with drawing and just using pencils or pastels or ink. And there's slight changes, but a lot of the things and concepts that I've been learning translate across across the board in terms of how do you kind of translate nature and try to um, capture an experience or a memory or things like that. The the uh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for. The semantics of creating artwork don't change too much. You just have these small little details of how do you change your paint application with oil as opposed to gouache or watercolor, et cetera, you know. One thing that I notice um, when I'm talking to people is that they want to get into something and then they start practicing a little bit and then they're frustrated because what they're drawing on their paper doesn't really match with reality. And this Mm. happens with students, you know, too. Um, But there had to have been a moment, Danny, where you, it kind of clicked in your mind what, what you were really seeing and then able to put down accurately. Was there, do you remember that time to where something shifted and you thought, oh, this is it. This is like unlocking my potential here. I don't know if there was a single moment like that, because to be honest with you, I still feel like I need to unlock that. Um, And I I feel like it's sort of like that if you're driven um, with any sort of creative endeavor, there's always going to be that next level that you want to achieve, whether whether that's I want to get better with um, proportions or I want to get better with values or um, perspective. I think for me, approaching it completely brand new, um, the only art experience I had had was in a, uh, an art survey class that I took at a homeschool co-op when I was a kid. And that really just kind of exposed me to different mediums, but I didn't necessarily learn um, any specific techniques, you know, how to draw a sphere. I don't think we even talked about that. And so as I was sort of embarking on self-education, it was, it was through um, lots of YouTube tutorials and then finding out about books. And then you sort of start to grasp a concept like that everything we see is um, we're using optical illusions to transfer on a two-dimensional plane, right? And trying to wrap your mind around that or how anything can be constructed with three-dimensional shapes and learning how to draw those shapes and learning what color is, learning what light and shadow is. 
um, all of those things emerge. And um, I think for me, starting out, those were just the unknown unknowns, the, the things I didn't even know that I didn't know. And I think the joy in in learning these things is that you start to you run up against those those obstacles, and then that can be a little clue as to the next step. And so you start to investigate, how do I do that? Um, I think for me, like my buildings, I would be doing an urban sketch or something, and my buildings would just not, they would look flat. I could just tell that they didn't look real. And so I kept trying to figure out what is that? And then somewhere along the line, I found out the word perspective. And, um, you know, then I go, oh, I need to learn about this perspective thing, you know, and you start uh, going and finding YouTube tutorials and um, Googling uh, tips for perspective. And I've bought books and read them on perspective. And then you go, this really helps. And so I think to me, it's, it's more of um, less of a aha moment and more of a stair step that there's these little tiny micro aha moments that you get along the way. And uh, with each piece, you, you learn something and, uh, and then you keep going. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. All of the small little aha moments. It just reminds me that this sort of, I guess, stairwell that we're each on is very personal. Right. Wouldn't you say that? Oh, completely. And I think you have to embrace that. Um, I, at one point, I was trying to uh, copy a, uh, a painting that I saw in the museum. And I thought, this is, this is what's going to teach me everything I need to know. And then I'll be able to paint like <laughs> singer sergeant, you know. And I got so frustrated because no matter how hard I concentrated and how hard I worked, it just didn't look like the original. And I showed it to one of my family members and they said, but you're not that person, you know. And, and to me, I, I had built it up in my mind. And I think this is pretty typical for beginners. Like I have to have, I have to achieve photorealism. I have to, you know, and if I don't, then it's bad. And I really think that that's not the case. And I, I, I think when I think about my career as a music teacher, one of the things that, that I constantly um, am talking to my students about, and, the, and you can just observe it, that the, the best musicians, the happiest musicians, the most successful musicians become more and more themselves along their creative journey. Um, and I think that there are artists out there that we can observe and it just seems like they're such a slick copy of someone else but they're not as good as the original and to me I think the the true goal is to just be yourself and accept that Um, and it doesn't mean you can't better yourself but you don't want to say oh I want to be Vincent Van Gogh or I want to be Mozart or something you have to be you and I, I believe you know, that God made each and every one of us as an individual. And just like I said, you know, with my friend putting her, her Instagram post, that, that profoundly affected me. Just the fact that she created art and shared it. Uh, it affected my life in a way that countless trips to the museum as a kid didn't, you know, but seeing one of my peers being creative um, transformed my life. And so I, th- I always think, Wherever you are on your journey, whether you're five years old or 50 years old, that um, the things that you express through your art, through your creativity, is something that really needs to be expressed. Nobody else on planet Earth 
can express it, can see it, can observe it, just like you can. Um, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of groups where a bunch of people will go out to the same park or field or something and paint the same scene. But even even when you do that, you see that everybody gravitates towards a different segment of that landscape. This person wants to paint the tree, and this person wants to paint the lake or whatever. And I think that that individualized lens that we look at the world through and then interpret through our art, I think that that's an important facet that we have to embrace as uh, as creative people, as students. Absolutely. I think you're 100% right on there. Um, this reminds me of just when I went to art school and uh, when I got to my first drawing class, um, my teacher had us draw self-portraits of ourselves. And so we're all drawing there and we're like, yeah, man, this is a great, this is a great self-portrait. <laughs> Nothing's going wrong. I'm getting, I'm nailing it. I'm nailing it right now. Right. <laughs> and we put our, our drawings up for critique and she basically said, well, I will now begin to reteach you how to draw. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, she said, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to learn how to actually see the world and to actually put, put those things down on paper. And yeah, each of you are unique, um, but there's, there's like a basis of, of things you need to know that will actually give you the skills to right. then have your creative voice. Right. The fundamentals. I think, yeah. The fundamentals. I think I see a lot of crossover to music. You need to, you need to be literate first. You need to learn your notes. You need to learn what notes on the piano mean on the paper and vice versa. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then, and then you have expression after you have understanding uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would even say, I think you have expression all along the way, but your expression is really hindered if you don't learn um, any of the fundamentals and basics, you know. I, I kind of liken yeah. it to, you know, to, to, to human development that small children will learn how to communicate verbally before they learn the the alphabet. You know, we don't just give a baby at the dictionary, say, call me when you're ready. You know, mm -hmm. they're able to, they're communicating as soon as they're out of the womb. And so to me as a, I think that that's paralleled in our creative journey. But I also think that um, you would never say, oh, well, my baby can uh, communicate just fine. So I'm not going to teach them how to read or write or, or speak English or something, you know. And I, so I think they kind of go hand in hand together. For me, I had a big breakthrough somewhere along the line. Someone mentioned the book drawing on the right side of the brain. I don't know. Have you heard of that book? Yes. Yes. I love that. And I talk about that book all the time. So I think the listeners would be familiar. Yeah. So I think if there was an aha moment, it was that book for me to go through yeah. and, and really understand. And, and I love the exercises in that book. And I really feel like just about anybody can do them. And, um, you know, the way that they, they advertise that book, it almost seems like a scam. Like, after after my weekend retreat, you know, this person went from this horrible Picasso looking self portrait to this like realistic. And I'm telling you, it, it actually works, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that was very transformational for me. 
And I think if you're if you're looking to um, learn art or teach art, that's sort of what I wish would have been at least components of that in my homeschool art survey were some of those ideas. Because once you wrap your head around that, like you said, you, you start to have, I think for me also, um, I wasn't super self-confident, but other people would tell me, wow, that looks really good. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think if uh, anybody who goes through that, if they can, either they'll see it themselves or someone will will tell them, wow, that looks really good. And that positive reinforcement can be huge. Well, there you go, guys. Just grab yourself a copy of Betty Edwards' book. You <laughs> heard it here for the fifth. You need to tenth, get some affiliate links going. <laughs> there you go. No, she just she just does a great job. Um she does a great job explaining um, the concepts and then, yeah, making it super easy for you to follow along. I think the hangup for most people, I think, is to just making making it a habit, like you said um, prior to what we were talking about here, about how you would cultivate doing something every day, yes. trying to practice every day. And yeah, that will, that will help you. Um, further your skills but yeah there you go it's another one of those aha moments like you said i i really believe um well two things two things with with art totally changed how i teach music and one of them is at least in the online ecosystem and in a lot of the books too is that this concept of it's not a talent you're born with but it's a craft that you can learn anybody can do art you can do it. That was so encouraging to me. And for whatever reason, I'm not sure if this is universal or if it was just my personal experience, but being raised, learning music, um, having just so many musical experiences as a kid and then going on to music school, there is this implicit idea that it is talent that drives you. Either you've got it or you don't. And that can actually be so depressing and make you feel insecure like well I probably don't have it so it's probably not going to work out and it can kind of depress you and prevent you from embracing it so I was very attracted to that concept in visual art education at least for self-learners I wasn't in a school I didn't have anybody else to tell me I was terrible but there are all these um, teachers and books and people online saying you really can do this but the other thing was um, especially as an adult, trying to figure out how much time I needed to do it. And however it panned out organically, I was really nickeling and diming art at the beginning. I was doing it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, um, some days less, some days less. But I'm not even really sure where I got that idea, but I just thought if I commit to doing this every day, whether it's one minute or one hour, I know for a fact that I will get better. And um, once I started taking that idea, seeing that that worked with art, I started doing it with my music. And I'm way more productive now when I just have this simple rule that I have to play music today. Um, and that, that's the rule that I set for my students. I don't care how long you practice and play your instrument, but just, just do it today. Um, that I'm way more productive now as a musician than I was in, in school in college, you know? And so I think a lot of people, um, 
I don't, I can't speak for people who want to learn art, but for people who want to learn music, that's a, a frequent complaint or uh, objection I hear is that I just don't have time. And you really don't need a lot of time to get going. Now, if you want to be Rembrandt, okay, maybe you need some time set aside, but to really get going for what most of us would think of as good, fun, worthwhile, artistic experience, it doesn't take uh, a very long time. You can fit it in. You talked about that initial roadblock, that mental roadblock of the talent issue um, versus honing a craft. What would you say maybe are some other mental roadblocks that you would help parents or students overcome when it's coming to the challenges of the arts in general, music and visual? Um, I mean, I think that the just the idea that I can't do this, I think um, almost approach it as what if you could and you just don't know it yet? Um, give yourself grace to, to just try it out. And um, one thing I see in my students a lot is, is being overly harsh with the result. And I think kind of back to what we were talking about at the beginning with when do you have an aha moment? Like you might not have an aha moment right away. So I think to me also doing visual art really trained me that it's so much more about the process than it is about the finished result. So for me, plein air painting, it's primarily about the experience of being outside. And um, I really found that it was insanely rewarding to spend a significant amount of time. Maybe I would spend like an hour or two looking at a tree and trying to draw it or paint it. And come back a year later and I would have this palpable memory and sense of when I sat down to look at that tree and I realized I don't really look at trees I don't really look at anything you just kind of drive by you don't really see or appreciate things but to sit down and say I'm going to sketch this tree or whatever it is you start to observe and find things in life that are more beautiful even if the the painting the sketch or whatever isn't actually a finished piece of artwork that you would frame or something like that. To me, the experience of turning on your mind to observe how things work, I'm so much more attenuated to um, color and light and shapes. Um, you know, I've drawn, I don't know how many times I've drawn my shoes or my fingers. I'll go, I don't know what to draw. I'll just start drawing my fingers or my shoes or my wopsed up uh, jacket that I threw on the couch you know, anything. That's what I was drawing last night at my Wapstep jean jacket on the couch, just drawing that. And then you, you almost go into a daze and you think that's so beautiful and interesting. And yeah, you turn into a crazy person a little bit, but I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think like it's worthwhile. I think it's worthwhile that all of a sudden it's like you turn this switch on in your brain and you realize this other dimensionality to how beautiful the world is and how beautiful life is. And I think that's just worth doing, whether or not you come out with these perfect pieces of artwork. I just don't think it's about that. I think it's about the experience and the, the journey that you go on. 100%. I would agree with you. It becomes meditative when you really get into it. Yeah. And yeah, when you when you get into that headspace, I mean, 
you kind of do. You turn into a crazy person. <laughs> right. I mean, you can lose sense of time. And yeah, yes. it's the one thing I will say is it's really hard for me to conversate with other people while I'm doing art. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. That can be tough if you're trying to be extra social. But, but yeah, I think, um, I think that's a big one is like, just go for it. Don't worry about if you're talented or not. Don't worry about the end result. For the first year that I did artwork, um, I would finish a painting or a sketch and then I put it in a storage bin. So I'm not, I'm not even looking at these things and I pretty much forget about them. To me, it's just all about the experience of, of going out. And um, I think that most people will find that the, the, the ultimate reward is, is just the doing of it. I think so too. And I think that's a really good, um, just a good mental shift there to think about what, you know, when you're going into it, what I'm going to get out of this is a lot better than what is going to be the outcome. Right. Um, oftentimes that's kind of where I start when I'm talking with a mom about, um, Usually the question is, hey, I have a perfectionist child mm. or, um, hey, we've done art time before, but it's just not working. I always ask them, well, what what do you expect out of this? Like, mm -hmm. what are you looking for? Because if you're looking to have this finished masterpiece when you're done, that's not going to happen. And if that does happen, it's probably leaving you feeling not so satisfied you know? Right. Because you didn't really turn your mind on. You didn't really engage any, 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 with any thinking aspect of it. Absolutely. I, I see a parallel to this in the music realm. Um, I have more horror stories than I have positive stories of people who, kids who are, are driven to that sort of perfectionist ideal when it comes to learning piano or learning violin. Um, and I would say that it's, it's almost ubiquitously a negative experience and, and they come out of the other end of that kind of feeling jaded, like they don't really like it. Um, and I, I'll actually, I'll tell you a story. So, so my experience, my parents were great, but along the way, um, on into the upper reaches of high school and into college, and I'm starting to play very advanced virtuosic level and it's my, my major, and it's going to be my career. By the time I finished my music degree, just on this quest for perfection, I truly, truly hated playing the violin. And um, I would just feel so negative. Even if I just pick up my violin, it would have this like repulsive feeling in my body um, because it just was this negative thing of trying to attain perfection and never quite getting there. And I have another friend who um, studied art and graphic design. He's a professional artist and graphic designer, but he learned uh, music. He learned the violin, I would say, recreationally for fun. And at the, end of, at the end of the day, when I graduated from college, he was probably just as skilled, maybe not quite as skilled, but pretty close to me. But his enjoyment level, pure joy, playing playing the violin um, he's gone to like learn other instruments as an adult he loves learning uh, listening to music and he'll just 
tell me about the experiences he has listening to music. And so the only difference that I can say is it, it's not really the educational portion of it, but it's it's that mindset that for me, it was like this cutthroat dog-eat-dog world where I have to be on top. And, and there is an ecosystem that supports that, that supports that sort of dark echo chamber um, and says, no, you're right. You do have to be the best or else you're, it's not worth doing. Um, but to see somebody who learned as a hobbyist and took some lessons to have like the full amount of joy with that creative endeavor and have just done it a totally different way where perfection um, and outcome, there isn't this weight of expectation. It's just you do it because you love it and you give yourself permission to love it. And, you know, when I'm teaching, I'll always tell the parents, you know, um, take your kids to concerts, play music around the house, listen to music, ask them, what do they hear? You, you have to like inculcate that spirit a little bit to just get the spark started. And I think, you know, with a little bit of encouragement, you really can put somebody on an, on an incredible pathway. Um, but yeah, you don't, you don't have to force them into, uh, into progress. They'll progress on their own. Um, especially if they learn, learn to love it early on. Yeah. That mindset of needing to be perfect or the best. Yeah. It's really crushing and it really, you know, it saps the joy out of what you're doing. And what if we just forgot about being the best for a second? What if we all just enjoyed what we were doing? How would it look different? Yeah. What if we just forgot about, um, whoever we're trying to measure up against really too. Cause it's a comparison thing. I think whether I, whether you're comparing yourself to an artist from history or whether you're comparing yourself to the last Instagram post you posted right. or saw um, it's, I think it's just, it's a human problem, but um, yeah, we were put on the earth to enjoy it and God said to enjoy it. And so one way I see that we can enjoy it is by, painting and looking and observing and just being in awe of creation because of how beautiful it is. Absolutely. I mean, one, one thing that I've been thinking about lately is when I was a kid, my mom would say, Danny, look at that beautiful tree. And I don't know how many times my mom had said that to me as a kid and I, it would annoy me and I'll go, come on, mom, it's just a dumb tree. And I never, I always thought trees are dumb, birds are dumb, nature's dumb. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then like totally unmoored from that. Then one day I'm like, I want to learn how to do art. And then now, I mean, really when I was in the throes of it, sometimes I would have like trouble driving because I would like forget to look at the road because I would be like so entranced by this tree or the way the light is hitting like this, you know, plane of grass next to this church or something, you know? And and it's like, man, I turned into, into my mom. But, you know, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for her to say, you know, like she was, she was right. She was right. It's just so much more rich and beautiful to, to be able to have your eyes open to that, to say, that is a beautiful tree. That is an interesting bird, you know? And so maybe I'm a little bit more of a dreamer than I was before, but I'm so much happier for it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, but it it's so personal too. It's you know, just totally 
just as God opens our eyes to truth in scripture, he also opens our eyes to his creation and the next thing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, um, do you know, do you know the artwork of James Gurney? No, I'm not familiar. He, um, he's an, an incredible artist. He does gouache and oil painting. He's a little bit of a, a hero of mine, but he, um, he will do plein air paintings in watercolor or gouache of the most ordinary, like, like I don't even want to say ordinary, like he will paint a dingy alley or um, a dumpster or a blockbuster video. You know, he'll paint a McDonald's, he'll paint all of these things that you would just think, why would anybody paint that? You know, it just, <laughs> what the heck is this guy doing? And by the time he finishes his paintings, you really see, wow, that's beautiful. And so to me, it's like I would never, I think one of his last paintings he did was of um, of a, two of them that stuck out. One of them was of a parking garage. And that one was very beautiful. And then another one he recently did was of a, um, a male, I don't know what you call them, the mailman's truck that he drives to drop off mail. And both of them, I mean, I was struck like, this is a beautiful piece of artwork. Just like if I was at the Jasmine and I was seeing a beautiful landscape or a still life or something. And to me, he's constantly opening up my eyes that you really can present just about anything. He, he literally could present um, a pile of garbage and you would look at it and you would go, that's really interesting and beautiful. And so I think, to, just like what you were just saying, like all of us look at things and interpret things. It takes somebody like that to say that um, that truck right there looks really beautiful. I'm going to paint it to turn somebody else's eyes on to see, hey, that is beautiful. I do like that. You know, it gives um, it gives a new it sheds a new light on just the things that we see around us. I think you can really I don't know. I just I'm constantly amazed by that. That's one thing I think that artists really give to the world is they give us the gift of opening our eyes um, just by looking at what they created. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just something very special yeah, for sure. It really is. Well, as we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, what should I listen to today? I don't know what to listen to. You should tell me. Um, have you ever listened to Eric Satie? Eric Satie? No. He's great. Uh, okay. How do you spell that last name? S-A-T-I-E. He was a, a, a French composer okay. or piano, kind of right around the turn of the century. He has really beautiful, contemplative, fun pieces Ooh. of music. That sounds great. It sounds great because we're... We're in a foggy day today here in Omaha, Nebraska. So Yep, it would be perfect for the day. Total mood right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I enjoyed so much talking with you. I learned a lot from you, Danny. This conversation has been so great. I just love having conversations that turn me back to why I do this and um, why we do what we do. I'm so motivated now to get out there and paint something. Or to stay in, to stay in and paint something yeah. today, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having so, me on. I, yeah. yeah, this was really a great conversation and I, I really enjoyed it. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Danny. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Bye. boy I enjoyed that little Eric Satie there at the end I want to say that I'd heard that on some like music box or something from my early childhood years it just seems like it's it's that type of tune that comes in one of those sad sad music boxes but it's somewhat hopeful there at the end well now that you're completely chilled why don't you also be super, super, super chilled by the fact that you can get a nice discount on my courses right now. Actually, I have my single license courses and group license courses for 10% off by using BTB for years in celebration of this being the fourth year of the podcast. I'm thankful for you, and I want to give you that gift. If you're listening on Wednesday, 9-15, the 15th of September, 2021, that code is live, and it will be available until midnight tonight. So definitely check that out. Thanks for listening, and I will see you later. Bye.